Hello and welcome back to another episode of Film and Other Drugs. Today we're going to look at Breaking Bad Season 3, Episodes 4 to 6. And you're here with me, Nora, and I'm joined by with Salma. Bye, Salma. Hey. Bye, Salma. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, so, Episode 4. I think I'm going to do a bit more of that, yeah, character thing. So, should we start with Jesse? Jesse's sure. Arm? Yeah, because yeah, I think Jesse's is kind of very cut and dry in these three episodes. Right. Yeah, he, he seems to really be sort of accepting or falling into that bad guy role that he he kind of feels he is since the whole Jane thing. Mm. Um, Like, oh, I'm the bad guy. Like, him giving the meth to the cashier was just, it kind of shocked me. Um, yeah, but, I thought that was yeah. kind of... Um... Kind of shitty on his part, so to speak, because, you know, she obviously had never done it before, and he was really pushing it on her. And I get it, you know, he's kind of selfish, so I don't think he was thinking of her at all, and more thinking of himself. But yeah. what I've noticed is that he's kind of the catalyst for a lot of drama without realizing that he is, you know? Like, he's yeah. his own worst enemy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he, he kind of gets, not gets away with things, but I feel like he, I don't think he actually believes he's the bad guy. Um, right. But even when he is the good guy and doesn't believe he's the bad guy, he doesn't see his chaos creating shenanigans that cause problems. And both Walt and Jesse create problems. I mean, right. I heard one thing about Better Call Soul, which isn't a spoiler, but it's just more like a comment. Or over the, about the the vibe and it's that when you watch better call soul you see just how much jesse and hank uh, walt's arrival onto the sort of drug scene like just how much they mess things up for everyone else yeah because it's and like it, they're so busy blaming other people for their problems i was watching i was learning about locus of control you know and yeah. i feel like both I wanted to call him Hank too. Both Walt and Jesse have an external locus of control. So they sit there and they complain about their plight. They blame everybody else around them for the things that happen to them, not realizing that they are the reason all those things are happening. Each of them is responsible and they don't want to take on that responsibility at all. Cause like him yeah. giving this girl a sample of the meth and that being like, number one, he wasn't prepared, didn't have money. Uh, so, like, come on now, you're out in the desert, why don't you have your money on you, you know? And then, number two, okay, so you're going to put your stuff on the market, you know, how very, um, what's the word, noticeable it is, you know, it's blue meth, it's no one else does what you do, and he knows that, and he's just kind of leaving this trail, like, he's making it obvious where this stuff is originating by doing that. And it's like he's not thinking ahead, like no foresight in Jesse whatsoever. So it's not like he's like um, maliciously causing problems. He's just an idiot, you know? If that makes sense, at least. Hello? Let's see. So what happens next? Oh, sorry. You cut out for me, but I think you you were being recorded. So <laughs> we'll continue. What what did you say? It's not like he's maliciously 
So it's not like he's maliciously doing these things. He's just an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it's so true. Like, you have the blue mouth and, and you're not thinking about the cameras that might be there and things like that. So, yeah, I, I get that. It seems self-destructive. I feel like right. throughout the whole series, he is very self-destructive. And it's almost like he wants to be caught. He wants to be told he's the bad guy and, like, just, you know, pay for his mistakes. Oh, like he's a masochist? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Just, like, I feel like he... Like we was, we was, we've been saying for a while, he doesn't really suit this lifestyle. Like, he doesn't come from this. Right. Because if he um, did, he would be a lot smarter about the yeah, moves he right? makes. And he just, he is not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because, yeah, because he's so selfish, not so selfish, not as selfish as Walt, but he, he kind of has this it only affects me kind of thing. Oh, if I get caught, I'm only hurting myself. But actually, he, he, hurts, he hurts other people just by being so chaotic. Right. For not being cautious, throwing yeah. caution to the wind, whatever you want to call it. But he's so lackadaisical about how he moves, the moves that he makes. He's very yeah. impulsive. Like this whole thing, he wants to hook up with, with Fring. He asks Walt for that. And, you know, Walt's like what are you thinking? Like, at first, he was like, oh, oh, you could do better. This this isn't, uh, what did he say? He calls him son, number one, which I thought was odd. Kind of, it, was it manipulative? You know what I mean? Like, is it manipulative Definitely. to call him son? <laughs> I feel like he's playing with his emotions. Like, he knows yeah. Jesse looks up to him. Yeah. And, and he's had that... Um understanding of younger people because he's a teacher he knows what it's like you know if you call someone you know sweetheart or like you're, you're sort of sweet to them you're, you're kind of just yeah manipulating them and they've had i think it's really important to the show that they've had this previous relationship of like student teacher um mentor mentee type thing so walt really yeah. does play, like play that up sometimes yeah. Yeah, it does really exacerbate this whole power dynamic between the two of them. Yeah. Because I mean, he really puts Jesse down. Uh as soon as Jesse reveals to him, you know, the the cook that he just did in the desert and he shows him and like Walt couldn't even there was two things happening at once. Walt was number 1 upset that anybody thinks that they could do what he does. So it's like a threat to his ego. But then on top of that, here's my subordinate. You know, he doesn't look at Jesse as any kind of equal. So Jesse trying to do good on his own without Walt, but still want Walt's approval. Because Walt said he didn't want to do this anymore. You know, like Walt said he's out of the game at this point. And yeah. so why wouldn't Jesse keep on? The, that's what he was doing when Walt met him. So he never said he wanted out of the game. So yeah. for him to like say, uh, like insulting him, telling him he's no good and that he's an embarrassment, like totally trying to cut him down was so awful. Yeah. And I, th I don't think it's the first time he's switched up on Jesse. No. And, and I think we've discussed that idea of their relationship kind of being toxic where it goes they have really high highs and really low lows mm -hmm. and seeing that change really quickly within one conversation is is very scary like it's so sad to see them keep coming back together even though 
their kind their relationship is just deteriorating yeah for sure and you can see it getting more toxic i mean it was already kind of bad but because walt wasn't at this like his ego hadn't been elevated as high as it is now it wasn't so um i guess bad for jesse at least in the first season yeah and then and jesse had knowledge that walt needed it's almost like they were more equal before right now like walt is this big dog like he's heisenberg and jesse's mm-hmm. still just jesse um he's not even captain whatever he was i can't remember oh yeah captain cook yeah <laughs> the kind of like captain crunch like the the cereal right <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's gotten to the point where jesse needs to get out of that relationship for himself yeah. but also to save himself you know like there's been several points where jesse should have walked away and had the opportunity and didn't and i mean he only came to walt because he wanted walt to help him get in contact with fring in order to you know have a distributor to sell the product that he's making to and i mean of course he didn't run it by anybody right he didn't run it by walt he didn't run it by saul he just took it upon himself he's really impulsive and I can see where that would have been, like, maybe um, a stepping on toes kind of thing. But with Walt saying that he quit, you know, it kind of, he's kind of forfeiting his right to dictate anything at that point. Of course, yeah. He's forfeiting his right to even be angry. It's kind of like, if you don't want this thing anymore and we work together, why wouldn't you, you know, share it with me? It's It's such a child with his toys in the pram like he's kind of like throwing it out throwing a tantrum like i don't want this thing but you can't have it either it's Mm -hmm. crazy um seeing those moments in walt just it's so sad because it feels like everyone has to handle him with such care and be the bigger person at every like turn and walt's just he acts like he's the bigger person, but he's not. He's right. such a child in these scenes. Very entitled. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's like entitlement times 10. Yeah. With what he feels people owe him, what he feels that he uh, contributes. Like he's just out of control with that ego for sure. Yeah. And, and they call him on it later on. Yeah. It, it's scary because when you think about it, there are adults who are like this um, and you associate these traits with you know young people or children but actually you can have a very old person with these um, tendencies and when you're you're an older person with these tendencies you have power it's not like mm-hmm. someone can just put you in your place and go you know sit in the naughty corner or something it's it's terrifying and I think you know maybe to a certain extent we've got dictators or world leaders who are just as childish and or influencers influencers yeah who can who create such chaos and madness in the world so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so unfortunately Mm -hmm. or fortunately you know jesse is successful and going through saul and he gets to fring and he sells him what he's made Mm -hmm. and of course fring didn't want to do it at first and mike was like consulting him about it uh about trying to get in contact with jesse about um selling jesse's new merchandise 
But Frank is playing his own game of chess, and he's like, yeah, he knows how to get to Walt. He knows that Walt is egotistical, just in the way that he talks to him, you know, with such, I am so humble. I am the most humble man. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just like, I I have so much respect for you. He does that whole, you know, he knows that Walt respects Fring or something. And then Gus kind of uses that and goes, so we are like, like at, at first he was like, no, you're not careful, you're not this. But a compliment from Gus means something to Walt. And I think um, what I see happening is that Walt puts himself at the same level as Fring. He looks yeah. at Fring and as, as a contemporary and not somebody that's already been in the game, that already has plenty of connections, does not need Walt. Like, doesn't need Walt at all. He wants what Walt can do. But if, you know, the thing is, is that Fring sees this egotistical side of Walt when he does this. And Fring being the better man, just all around, uh, having the actual entitlement to being the dude, you know, he sees this in Walt's and he sees that he can exploit it. It's a weakness. And so he knows that, yeah, he could totally get this guy. He can control Walt more than he could ever control Jesse. Because Jesse makes comparable merchandise. But the problem is, like Fring said, Jesse is a junkie. So junkies are unpredictable. You know, they're impulsive. They do things without without you being able to predict them, right? And while uh, Fring doesn't want somebody that's unpredictable because Fring is only out for himself. And so in the end, you know, whoever he hires is somebody that he's going to control, that he's going to have full, um, I guess, control over them. And you can't do that with the person that's as unpredictable as Jesse. And Walt is completely predictable. He's still, the way that he goes to work it looks like he's going to the office the way he prepares himself to go to the lab so yeah it's, the, the it, peanut butter and jelly sandwich the cut yeah. you know, puts his name on the bag i'm like mm-hmm. and fring sees this like he totally sees that you know walt is primed for being easily led as yeah. long as you can appeal to his ego that's all it takes which is something that skylar unfortunately should have known <laughs> that's something she should have learned because then she would be like Marie, who, like I said, is topping from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, she's a power bottom. Very true, um, very true. Yeah. So yeah, so Jesse gets to sell his merchandise to Fring in this uh, nice little chess move that Fring made. But in order to make sure that Walt knows that he's working with Jesse, he only gives Jesse half. And he, I guess, recognizes the fact that the product that Jesse is bringing him is kind of patented by Walt. So it's not really Jesse's, so to speak. And so he does this power move where it's like, yeah, I'll give you money, but I'm going to give this guy money too, pitting them against each other because they're no longer partners. And and almost making it seem like, hey, look, Gus respects me because I'm the creator of this thing. It's like, yeah. Can you not see yeah. he's driving a wedge between you? I think at that point, Walt is like just so incensed by the the thought that someone actually made his product and sold it. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even happy to get half. He's not even like, oh, great, I got money for nothing. He's just hissed. Yeah. And that's, that's why he, um, I thought it was so funny in the scene where, so 
you know, Jesse goes to Saul in order to facilitate a meeting with Walt so that he can uh, uh, try to get his money back from Walt and get him to agree to, like, this royalties plan that he has. So that way, you know, he's like, you know, 10%. I'll give you 10% and, uh, and, and, and it's charity. He tells him it's charity. And I'm like, oh, no. Walt <laughs> does not like charity. <laughs> doesn't like the C word. And that's charity. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you, so if, in terms of this episode, what are your thoughts on... Wait, is that how it, how it ends this episode? Sort of they're, they're deciding... Oh, no. Wait. No, no, no. The the charity thing happened in episode five. Ah, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can, no, we can talk about the arcs if you want. I was going to talk about Hank in, in episode four. Yeah, we can. Four, but actually, I think we kind yeah, of have we, to because this episode's yeah. like setting things up. Yeah. And then it kind mm-hmm. of changes so much. So it's kind of like we can't skip over that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I agree. I agree. You want to go to Hank next? Yeah, I mean, he, he, it's interesting. Like, I had a question for you. Do you think that he is very, he's still quite tra- traumatized about going to El Paso? Like, do you, I mean, he doesn't go. Yeah. But do you think it's because he genuinely is kind of addicted to figuring out the creation or the, finding a lead on the blue meth thing? Or do you think it's because he's scared? No, I think it's a combination of things. I think that. Focusing on the blue meth helps him cope with the PTSD he has from killing Tuco himself. I honestly think Tuco was maybe his first kill because, I mean, if it was, I mean, I assume that most cops, if they have to kill someone, whether it's the first or the fifth, it doesn't matter. It still affects you, you know? Yeah. But the way that Hank is acting, it makes me think that this is something he's never had to overcome before. Yeah. It seems like everything, his whole persona was hot air before. Like, it's, I mean, when we first meet him, you would think that he's taken out bad guys left, right, and center, but mm-hmm. it, it clearly isn't the case. You know, Tuco feels like the real deal. Um, right. And I feel yeah. like he's using this whole blue math thing. Like, I, I do believe that he is genuinely obsessed with this situation. Yeah, I think there's like a, a sixth sense. Like, I I know he doesn't know, but I feel like maybe we as people, as like humans, when we know something, we kind of can't let it go because it's it's almost like we have this intuition and we don't know right. why. We follow this lead. We follow this like, oh, I need to be here. I need to go there. I need to stay in right. this area or this city for another few years. It's almost like you kind of know. And we have these intuitions, we just don't know how to explain them. Yeah, I think Hank has been doing this job a long time. You know, it's yeah. obvious he's worked his way up. So yeah. he has a lot of experience. And so when with experience, you can notice patterns. So you know th- how things are going to go. Yeah. And that's going to help you as a as an investigator, as a, you know, a, a DEA agent to notice those patterns, because that will give you insight into what will lead from here so that way you can hopefully you know uh what's the word anticipate what's going to come next so that you can meet it you know and i feel like hank has he's a good investigator i think he's got some real sixth sense going on just because of how long he's been doing this 
So I feel like he's kind of wanting to act on that. But at the same time, you know, he feels this pressure from his wife, who wants them to like, she wants more, <laughs> more, Marie. <laughs> um, so she wants, you know, him to end up in DC, or she, you know, she wants him to just keep climbing that ladder. And so he feels that pressure. And then he feels the pressure kind of to perform, to move up also at work to, you know, his superiors and to his contemporaries. He wants, he wants to show them that he is the guy that he professes to be. But when he goes, you know, he's faced with even more uh, adversity when it comes to almost dying again. You know, he, he, cause I'm sure that when he was facing off with Tuco, not only is killing Tuco kind of fucking him up, but also the fact that he almost died. You know, he was in a shootout. He could have died too, and he saved his own life, you know? So I think that kind yeah. of tripped him up. And then when he went to El Paso, he just so happened to have, you know, survived his instinct and, yeah. and got away from the bomb and lived again. Mm-hmm. So it's like at that point, it's like, am I living on borrowed time? Like, that'll really mess you up. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that whole, like, um, what's it called, final destination feeling, like, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I can't imagine what that must be like. And, like, survivor's guilt as well, because a bunch of his colleagues, new colleagues that he just made, who were making fun of him, you know, you, you're going to feel mixed feelings about that. Yeah, but you're still sure. going to feel guilt, whether or not you like them. Um, Almost like you feel bad as well, because it was him versus them at the beginning. And they kind of like dis not disappeared, but like they got injured, and it's almost like I don't know. I would feel kind of guilt. Crazy. Yeah, I see what you're yeah. saying. It's like he yeah. probably wasn't getting along with them. I don't know if he like wished them any harm because he seems no. like such a good person. But I yeah. think he may feel guilt just for having any negative thought about them, and for this to have happened. You know? Yeah, I think sure. I think he would take that on personally. And it would just weigh on him even more. So, yeah, so when he's in the car with Marie on his way back to El Paso, because they still want him to go back, and he's, I think he's trying to push himself, but when he gets that phone call about the blue meth, he found his out. He found his yeah, reason. Yeah, that's his sign. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. like, Hank doesn't strike me as a very, like, mystical guy who's going to follow signs, but I feel like... He needs concrete it's- reasons, and that was his reason to stay and be like, this is my thing as well. Mm-hmm. And I think the show is also trying to show us how important it is for people to have their thing that makes them kind of stand out a little bit. Like, yeah. Mike is the the bodyguard type guy, and then Soul, his thing is the law thing, and then, you know, Hank is the, the blue meth. No one believes in him, but he has to believe in himself, and I think he needs that. Um, yeah. Yeah. His uh, his hunch, you know, of looking for, or or like, because what did he do? He immediately starts talking to people that they caught with the meth, with the blue meth, right? And it's just yeah. one guy, and the guy can barely talk, but he like presses him and presses him, and doesn't let up. And he, despite the fact that he barely gave him any info at all. He was still able to trace that back to that gas station, find that one girl that Jesse yeah. <laughs> gave the meth to, yeah. and I, I felt so bad for her. But he he did what he had to do, you know, intimidate her into into really spilling her guts. And then he's so <laughs> smart. He goes back into his car, 
And he's just he's just looking around. He's like, show me, show me a way to make this lead not stop here. Like he didn't want to give it up. And smartly enough, he sees that ATM machine pointed straight at the gas tanks. And all ATMs have a camera on them. So it's like yeah. perfect. Like ding ding ding. It, it's it's amazing to see, but then it's kind of funny. When we get to episode six, which we'll talk about later, but it's like, where's that instinct? <laughs> I'll talk about it then, though. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. So, um, back to Jesse again. We start off episode five with Jesse, and you know the whole like memory. I like I like it when they do this. You know when they go back back to. Things that we didn't see, like how did Jesse get the RV? How did you know? You know, I I thought that the RV was always Jesse's. What about you? Uh, well, I knew that he. I thought that he, and I think at the point that they wrote the episode, they didn't know where the RV was coming from. So what I mm. gathered from the context clues and the and those discussions they had about it was that he knew a guy that was selling one, and he he needed to buy buy it for a specific amount of money because he gave him a specific amount. And yeah, then, it was like seven grand or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so this scene, this opener kind of implies that Jesse did not intend on Working letting Walt and his, I guess, blackmail work. Because it's yeah. like, I don't know, like, it's just kind of funny. I guess the How reason they did this... Is to reinforce the idea that Jesse is impulsive and Jesse is uh, unpredictable, and also Jesse is not the brightest because you know this man gives you all his money to buy an RV that you said that you had lined up for a specific amount of money. You literally turn around and spend more than half of it on dr drinking and women and your friends, and it's like I'm surprised he had any money left over at the end. Yeah, it was like, I think he had a grand left over or something, and I was like, wow. I, I thought he was doing that not just because he was impulsive, but because he was kind of taking, like, Walt for his money, being like, you idiot, why would you give a random dude your money? Right, like, that's what like I'm saying. Walt, like, is, Walt could, like, I... report him. Jesse would be like, yeah, he wanted drugs, so. Exactly, like, <laughs> honestly, he was thinking of, along the right vein, because what could Walt have done? Absolutely fucking nothing. You yeah. know, at that point, he was no one. Uh, they hadn't even made their first murder, you know, like Crazy Eight was still alive. Yeah. So, you know, Walt's trusting him and assuming that um, uh, that Jesse was going to do what he said was quite the gamble on Walt's <laughs> end. And I kind you can kind of compare that to how Fring is kind of looking at Walt as, you know, because Walt could have like he could have done something you know he could have like just ignored him but Fring knew Fring could see it in him that he was somebody that he could manipulate just the way Walt looks at Jesse I think do you think that that he, Walt felt that confidence from the first time they met uh I don't think he felt the confidence but I feel like he perhaps he just had to take a gamble, perhaps? Right. Like, he yeah. didn't have anything to lose at the same yeah, time. Yeah, except he was that die. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, he really had so much to lose, and he still made that gamble. Like, that's... Yes. I think at every 
turn we see like just Walt being I don't know making big 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 risks and not I don't think he realizes at any step of the way how much he has to lose and every time we step forward slightly he he has more to lose because he's he's making more of himself he's making more money or he's feeling more confident and powerful with every murder but he keeps distancing himself from the person that is a good person he just becomes worse as a person i mean yeah i agree i mean walt is just so i guess that's who we could be talking about is walt because he's really kind of spiraling so to speak Especially yeah. after he finds out, you know, after, not finds out, but once Skylar tells him that he's sleeping with someone else, or she's sleeping with someone else, I'm sorry, with Benneke, you know, he just kind of, he kind of gets lost in his ego, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to beat his ass. <laughs> he tries to go beat him up. I was surprised he didn't break his back trying to pick up that huge plant. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, and I mean... And I think this is the first time in that scene after he tries to beat up Benneke that he meets Mike. I don't think he'd ever met Mike. So he has no idea who this man is that just... Just been looking out for him. <laughs> yeah, that just stopped him from making a, a huge mistake, which was, you know, making himself a spectacle. And uh, I thought it was interesting when... Oh, so they go to Saul and Saul, he fires Saul because he realizes that they bugged his house. Uh, that's the only way yeah. Mike knew, you know? And so yeah. he, I thought it was really interesting that Mike is like, you know, sometimes it's a good thing having someone watching your back. Yeah. And that's very prophetic. Right. At least yeah. for Mike. Yeah. Um, um, he Is that the bit where, I'm, I might be getting lost here, but is this the arc where... Um, Bring has to kind of deal with the with the cousins. So yeah, in this this episode, they keep showing up. I think yeah. they keep. I think in that like little symbols on the ground, like um, like a right. dagger. Yeah. So in that so scene, ominous. Mike noticed the symbol on the ground. So like, mm. kind of saying, you know, we're going to come back, I guess. Yeah. And he knows that. He knows. I think Mike has already been told by Fring that those guys want somebody. They don't care who, but somebody, right? Yeah, I remember now we talked about it last time. Sangro or something like blood, blood for blood or something. Right, exactly. And so they keep showing up at, at um, Fring's restaurant and they just wait. And I think that's on episode six, but they just kind of wait. And they've yeah. been waiting because Fring said that he was going to give them someone. And I think he wanted, they want Walt and he was like, oh, you know, I need him. But they want him sooner rather than later. And, of course, Fring is not even close to getting him in his lab at that point. And no. so, uh, unfortunately, was it this episode? Oh, no, that's at the end of episode six. But Fring gives the cartel brothers Hank's name as yeah. the person that actually fired the shot and killed Tuco. And it was, right? It was. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why did they want Walt? Uh, I think they assumed that because, um, they were supposed to go pick up, uh, they were supposed to pick up Walt. They knew who Walt was, 
because Tuco was going to have them kidnap him, basically, and make him like a meth slave. Basically, he was going to Mexico to make right. meth for them there. And so, and that's the name that um, Uncle Salamanca gave them anyway, right? Walter White. He right. spelled the name out with the bell. Exactly. So they knew who they were coming to pick up was Heisenberg. But when yeah. they got to Salamanca, Salamanca told them what his real name was in order to be able to find him. So they yeah. knew that, that the man that they went to go pick up was the person, in their mind, was the person uh, responsible for the fact that Tuco was dead. And when they got there, I assume later and had to turn around because all the cops were there. Um, so that, that's kind of like the only lead they had. They didn't know exactly what happened as far as how he died. They just knew he was dead. And they blamed mm. Walt. And so that's why all this time they've been wanting to go after Heisenberg. And, uh, and so when, when Fring finally told them what actually happened, only because he was there when Hank was showing off the teeth, that Tuco's teeth they had encased in glass yeah. or whatever. Um, or I forget what that stuff is it called. It like a cube or something, right? Yeah, it's like suspended yeah. inside of it. I forget. Um, it was so creepy. <laughs> I know. And so he's showing it off, and that's when Fring was in the office. So he knew whose teeth those were. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, that's how he knew that Hank was the one who shot him, most likely. Yeah. And so he gave them up like, to the Cartel brothers. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I, think, I think it was really, I think it's these moments where you just think, Jesse and Walt have really fucked over their own family. Like, I'm surprised Jesse's family haven't been affected so far. I mean, he's been in the drug bit game for a lot longer. I don't think it's hard to find out information like what his real name is and things like that. But I guess him not being connected to his family helps. Whereas Walt literally lives with his family. He sees Hank. It's it's kind of comical that Hank, being his brother-in-law, hasn't kind of been a problem earlier you know like yeah yeah how have they not just used his family against him like we'll shoot your pregnant wife if you don't cook meth for us like i don't know i think he hasn't um up until this point you know he had tuco that he was dealing with crazy eight who he was dealing with and these are very low level guys so they don't really think like that you know that's very immediate as far as who they're gonna hit if, if, as far like who they'll who they'll kill or who they'll threaten um but now that he's playing with the big boys, I think that's going to become more of a problem as we get as we go through the, the show, you know, because yeah. they're going to be more likely to because they, they want Walt alive for now. You know, he's he's more useful to them alive than dead. Yeah. Um, but I don't I, I don't think that that's something that they will stand for forever. And I wish Walt would understand this, you know, and this is where. It's very funny to me that Walt puts himself at the same level as Fring because it's like, dude, you're not even playing the same game. Because if yeah. you did, you'd know. <laughs> you'd mm -hmm. know that this yeah. man does not plan to keep you around for all that long. He said three months. Three months. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's, I think it's this delusion that some people, like even in, like, in real life that I've met, there's this kind of delusion that you think... Obviously, having this delusion doesn't affect you as much if you're not playing with things like, you know, fire, like Walt and the whole drug cartel thing. But sometimes delusion can help you ascend 
to a position that you want because you have to believe in yourself. And I feel like some people kind of see themselves as better than they are and that that does actually help them get their foot in the door. It's kind of like blagging your way through life, right? And I feel like Walt is just relying on that. He's not... Yeah, like he's been faking it till he makes it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I it's like ego. Ego is kind of. A, a, I don't know about you, but in like in my sort of career, I've seen people with the biggest egos sometimes do actually get the thing they want, and everyone around them's going, "Nah, that guy's not going to get it. Like he's not actually that great at his job." But it's the people in charge don't actually know shit. Sometimes they're just like, mm-hmm. "Oh, he sounds like he knows." And I'm like, what? I, I, this is so true a lot of times half the time at least in like the corporate world or something it's like they're more than happy to move somebody up that's going to take part of the job that they hate and it's like oh yeah you're really great at this go ahead you know it's like they will move people up if they're willing to do the dirty work that they don't want to do and like everybody else is like why 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 is because that guy said he's willing to do it that's all that is yeah Yeah. So I guess um, in the second episode, that's yeah. when, um, that's when. Oh, okay. So that's when Walter and Fring are talking, and Fring kind of calls his bluff. Um, or, or no, I'm sorry. Walt calls Fring's bluff, and he tries to like make Jesse look bad so that Jesse so that he won't work with Jesse. And he starts accusing Fring of believing that Walt is, like, egotistical, kind of. And he's like, but I respect the chemistry. Like, he's, like, he's trying to convince himself and convince Fring that he's not this easily controlled ego maniac. Like, oh, you can't read me. I don't just want money or power. Like, I have dignity and, like, actual respect for the chemistry. But it's bullshit. He's just... He he can be led and brought into this empire thing again, just through flattery and ego and things like that. And I think mm-hmm. Walt likes to believe that he is a man of science and respect, and like that's what makes him better than everyone else, better than the <laughs> drug dealers. And like, it's like, okay, yeah, yep. and you're just like Ronald McDonald, my guy, but with mess. <laughs> and Ring and Fring totally like pegs him, you know, and he's like yeah, you know what? Take a walk with me. And like he shows him the lab. It's brand new. Everything yeah. is still shiny and wrapped up still. And yeah. I mean, Walt's bedazzled. Absolutely. Can't believe all this is his. And at that point, he doesn't even know that he's going to have a lab partner, right? Mm. He thinks this is his own private spot to do his own stuff. But at the same time, he's like, Frank is like, you got to provide for your family, you know? Yeah, that speech was amazing. Like, Walt was basically saying, what's the point? Or not what's the point, but kind of like, I think he alluded to the fact that Skylar was cheating on him or, like, she stepped out or whatever. And oh, that's family, right. The yeah, children are and- always yours. You're, you still have to provide for them. Yeah. Yeah, I love that speech. I was like, oh, that really did get Walt in the 
in the heart or whatever, in the ego, he was like, a man must do what a man must do or something like that. And I think Walt is really, I didn't see this at the, you know, the first few episodes. I don't know where it came from, because how can you be that kind of person and not be that person? Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, it's almost like he got to a certain age and a f switch flipped and he's like, I have to be the man that provides. I don't know. He just yeah, yeah. He and the thing is, is that like I feel like he looked at this opportunity to finally fulfill that expectation that's kind mm. of been weighing on him. Because you know, yeah. everybody looks to him as the father figure. He's the he's the man of the house. He should be the one that's providing for his family, right? And that's what's hurting his ego because he's not doing that. He hasn't been doing that up until the show started, right? And mm -hmm. so he sees himself about to die, having never fulfilled those expectations. And he doesn't want anybody to look down on him, even in his death. So he's like kind of grasping at straws or looking for a way to both fulfill his ego and his need to like be the best at something. Like he wants to be the best at making the best meth, you know? And then yeah. on top of that, to be the provider for his family and like he's just found a way to scratch both of those itches i think and so yeah. he's using it as a way to do it but it's not genuine it's it's obligation you know yeah and and it's not um it's not public enough for him to really get his ego scratched it's almost yeah. like it's the accumulation of money and this feeling that in the end it will all be worth it in the end he'll be able to wow his family with by leaving this the, all of this behind and he can just die and become a martyr or something um but it just keeps getting just worse and like less and less worth it almost like you know how could he have not seen that becoming this person would just not work out long term i don't know it just feels it feels like it's too good to be true, and you kind of should have seen that from the beginning, Walt. You know, like you're you're literally in in these depths with Gus and people who murder people. It's like you know, you you kill people too, and and I just think it's interesting that the show kind of doesn't. It kind of shows how your morality changes contextually. Like it kind of it can shift the more you kind of do more things and keep excusing those things you kind of become a different person with different morals and I, I don't know like if he was born this way probably not right probably not the kind of person who would kill another human being right it's more of a nurture thing i agree yeah yeah i think that, that's that's what really fascinating about the show yeah it reminds me of this theater thing i saw last year that called um a good I think it was just called Good, and David Tennant was in it, and it's about essentially a, a scientist who ends up working for the Nazis, but he was never, I mean, he, he had a friend who was Jewish, and it, it kind of shows that slow progression to becoming a Nazi sympathizer or, like, working for them, being okay with it, and it's like, wow, like, it was just a two-hour show, but I feel like Breaking Bad's kind of um, talking about a similar thing, um, you yeah. know? Yeah, I agree. Kind of cuz like it's kind of like a frog in the po in the bo pot of boiling water, you know, you don't realize what's happening <laughs> till it's yeah. like Yeah. 
boiling, <laughs> you know, and then at that point it's kind of too late because you're probably you're probably already about to croak. <laughs> yep. Ah, so yeah. I thought yeah. it was really interesting to see kind of how the because Marie finally, Marie Hank's wife finally kind of confides in Skylar about what's been happening at home and what she's she's noticed. So it kind of voices all the things that we've only that's only been implied up until this point, uh, where you know Hank has been feeling a certain kind of way ever since he killed Tuco, and she she tells Skylar that. And then she brings up like what happens in El Paso and she's talking to Skylar about all this stuff. And she says to her, facing death changes you. And I don't think it's like Skylar hadn't considered this, you know? Yeah, I, I, I noticed her face. It was almost like it helped her. Um, and I think you said this earlier before the, the recording, but that Skylar was is basically getting advice from other people without realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she's just been like, uh, she's been so stuck in her righteous anger about what she believes is right or wrong about what Walt is doing, without even considering his position, his perspective, um, which I think she's been guilty of doing for a lot longer than this. Yeah. That's why she treats him the way that she does, and that's why they don't get along the way they should or could. And uh, because she doesn't, she doesn't really consider his feelings for the most part. I thought it was really funny uh, or not funny, but rich in that she is at Beneke's house, you know, while they're having the affair. Yeah. And she's uh, just going on and on, just goggling about his wonderful house, you know, the, the renovations that he's made and how gorgeous it is and how uh, nice and warm the floor is in the bathroom. And she's like, I think she said something about, um, not wanting to leave or whatever. And I, was, I just wrote, like, she's enjoying Beneke's house, even though he has all this stuff with money that he literally stole. And she yeah. can't accept the money that Walt made. I mean, yes, it's blood money, so to speak, because, you know, people have died and drugs are being made uh, as a result, but... So what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like she just seems like such a hypocrite in that moment that she would totally, you know, give give um grace to Beneke for the same sins, not the exact same, but still criminal sins uh of, of Beneke, but not for her own husband, who was doing it as he says, and as she, you know, has come to know, he was doing it for her, you know? Yeah, it's it's really hypocritical, and it's also I, when I was watching those scenes, I remember think I remember thinking like, okay, she doesn't actually seem happy. She seems to be lying to herself, like, oh, I love this, you know, I really enjoy this. Um, but there was there's like a look of something something doesn't add up. There's this disjointed or um, incongruency inside her, and I think it's because she knows that both men that she loves or that she likes are the same kind of right like she's realizing you know and especially after talking with marie and she starts really thinking about walt's position in this you know she was so open to why beneke does what he does 
and forgiving. But when yeah. Walt tells her she can't find forgiveness in her heart, and then she sees Marie, you know, having all this empathy for her husband. Yeah. And I think she realized, you know, that she's putting the empathy in the wrong person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I, I think she, it's not, it's because he's the father of her children. And I think she does actually love him. Um, I doubted it for a long time, but I think she does maybe just hope that things could have gone better. I think she's a, I, she's jumped ship by being with Ted. But there's, uh, the way she looks at him, or the way they've kind of crafted her character to sort of look at Walt, I sometimes think that she wants it to work out. Now, this might be because she wants it to work out in the face of the public, and she loves, she admires Hank and Marie for being together for so long. Because sometimes that can happen, right? You can kind of look outside of yourself and think, why couldn't me and my partner have stayed together if these people could stay together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of saving face and you know, keeping a family together. And her Even- and her sister do have a healthy competition competition yeah. type relationship. <laughs> they do. Yeah. And of course, you know, at the end of this episode, Walt gives her the divorce that she's been asking for. He signed the papers. She does not she's starting to have a <laughs> Yeah, her change of heart is kind of coming at a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, okay, it could have gone a certain way, but I feel like her being uh, like umming and ahhing about it and kind of not being happy about it. I almost thought, why are you not happy? Like, are you serious? Like, you were basically not blackmailing him, but emotionally abusing him out of this relationship. And now you're going to sort of bring him back and be like, well, actually, you know, maybe we stick together. I don't know. Yeah. It was really weird. I guess it's complicated. I- Wait, remind me at this point, she knows about everything? Who, uh, uh, Skylar? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. She absolutely knows. She knows everything that's happening. That's why she's kind of starting to weigh the the situation as far as, you know, why he's doing what he's, what he's done, you know, because yeah. she was not open to that. And I think now she's starting to be. I, I think, honestly, that around the time that she starts sleeping with Banneke, is about the time when the everybody hates Skylar. Yeah, like on forums and just on the internet and stuff. You, you talk to people that watch the show and they were not fans of her, especially mm-hmm. in this season because of the how hypocritical it seems. But it's like after a while, you watch it several times and it's like, okay, I can see where somebody in her position who doesn't have all of the information available to them would make these decisions, you know, would think that Beneke is the better man and not really think as deep into it as we do because we see all sides, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and we we do get to see all sides, but then I I feel like uh, he still is the better man, maybe. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, maybe (laughs) Beneke would... I, I I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I feel yeah. like he's just like a softer, uh, more white collar version of of what Walt is, you know. Because yeah. he still even he even shows that in the next episode when he comes to Skylar's house, Beneke being he here, Beneke comes to their house after mm-hmm. um, Hank has his issues. Uh, 
I think. Oh, wait. Maybe that comes later. Oh, I think that comes later. But yeah, I, th- I think yeah. that Beneke has his own ego issues. And that's why he doesn't do things the legal way because he doesn't want to like lose face. Uh, so yeah, he wants to keep his company going. Yeah. I think that a lot of um, the like illegal shit that happens in the show is kind of a metaphor for a lot of stuff that people do in their, obviously not as bad, not as bad as Beneke and um, Walter. But I wonder how many people are cutting corners in life and just to try to not be taxed as much or to make a bit more money or whatever it is. And I think people <laughs> just don't talk about it. And on the show, it's a great reflection of like how all these people that you think are so normal or like, you know, squares. And actually, everyone's just trying to survive out here. So right. there are probably way more people than that, that you know than you realize that are having to deal with this kind of crap and like when you introduce that into a family you know and you have a partner i assume it creates issues because it's not just your way of life it's you and your kids and your partners and you have to figure out like are they going to be down like it's i love that this show kind of explores this idea of ride or die like for yeah. real <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I just kind of never thought about it like that. And it's like, you know, life changes you, kids change you, whatever happens, age changes you. And then on top of that, your partner changes too. And, and the what if economy. your morals don't change together, you know? Yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. And then you've got these outside factors that just kind of yeah. exacerbate your problems and drive yeah. you to desperation and to doing mm-hmm. things that maybe, maybe you wouldn't consider um if it wasn't so bad you know and yeah it's like they were saying uh when (laughs) they made the show i think they were making the show for like mexico like they were doing their own version of it um Mm. of breaking bad and (laughs) somebody came out with like a a fake uh remake but like in some um democratic socialist country and it ends like in the first episode because he gets treated for cancer for free. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen them that meme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, maybe that's a point for more American type societies, more like capitalist, because it kind of challenges you in a good way or in a bad way. Probably in a bad way. Um. What was I going to say? I was going to say something. Oh, there was another David Tennant show that I just remembered. I'm a big fan of David Tennant, clearly. Um, where he plays this uh, vicar. And it also kind of plays on this idea of good people do bad things. Essentially, his son kind of gets accused, falsely accused, potentially by this woman who's tutoring him, of being a paedophile. Because the vicar actually has like a USB thing from one of his... not clients but one of the people who visit the church who he's trying to kind of put on the right path who is actually a pedophile oh and the usb ends up at his house at the vicar's house because he's like look just give me this i'm not going to tell anyone that you had it just just to take it away from him kind of thing but then the woman who thinks it's an internet dongle she puts it into her laptop and she's like what the hell is this and she assumes it's the the vicar's son's and the vicar is freaking out and she's like, no, no, I'm not going to tell anyone. I just, I just need to leave. And he, he doesn't trust that this woman isn't going to tell anyone. 
he ends up locking her in the basement and oh, debating whether to kill her. Oh, wow. It's a really great show. It's only three episodes because it's like a mini series type of thing, I think. And what um, is it called? Uh, I, I need to find it. It's, it's one David of the, Tennant? David Tennant's really uh, recent shows. I'll David look it up. Tennant. Let's see. Inside That's... Man. No, it's not called Inside Man. Wow, he's done a lot recently. <laughs> yes, it's, it's called, called Inside Man. Oh yeah, because there's another sh- another sort of thing going alongside. It's really weird. Okay, inside um, man. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, I think, yeah. This is a, Breaking Bad is one of those shows. It's like, what, what are you willing to do to protect your family? Maybe, maybe that's yeah. Like, how far will you go? Yeah. To, I guess, kind of keep your promises or do what you say you'll do. You know, because I'm sure he promised that guy that he would make sure nobody knew about it. And then at that point, I mean, because there's a way to trace it, I'm sure, as to who it belonged to. But then again, maybe yeah. not. And he wouldn't know. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's yeah. going to fight tooth and nail to not get in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. At one of the quotes from the show is, everyone's a murderer. All it takes is a good reason and a bad day. Oh, wow. I was just like, yeah, I guess so. I guess I probably would, like, you know, you, you, you we all have that, like, personal people in our lives that it's like without a doubt to defend them or something like that you know um, I don't know that's just to say it doesn't discount self-defense so there's that too you know yeah yeah exactly and I think in some I think in America is it that in certain states you can shoot someone if they're on your property oh yeah the castle doctrine like nobody could walk into my house right now or we could kill them for not being allowed <laughs> and you wouldn't you wouldn't go to prison for it at all nope Mm-mm. especially if they force their way in i know that there's like caveats you know i just don't know what they are um right. not that i'd shoot anybody that walked in unless they mm-hmm. were being aggressive and then in that case somebody <laughs> please yeah <laughs> yeah wow yeah there's different states they have different rules some states don't even allow you to have a gun so there's that you know right yeah america's super divided nowadays i guess and you can tell by the uh the news that comes out of those states who is and who isn't allowed because they get away with a whole lot more in those other states right yeah um where are we now i saw sorry but taking us on a little bit of a a tangent tangent. Yeah. yeah So, okay, so I guess we could talk about Hank, because Hank, at this point, you know, he's still on the hot on the trail of the blue meth. So he's been doing a lot of research looking for this RV that he found the picture of on the ATM machine. Yeah. And so, you know, he confesses to Marie that he's not going to take the El Paso job. That's when she decides to confide into Skylar. And I think... It's safe to say that at this point, Hank is kind of obsessed with Heisenberg, kind of obsessed with trying to find the blue meth. And he actually, because of the opener, he finds out the last RV on the list belonged to Combo's mom. And in his search for, you know, clues in Combo's room, he finds a picture of Combo and Jesse, who he's very familiar with together. And so in the next episode, um, we see that Hank is 
not spying, but um, staking out uh, Jesse's house, the house that he just bought. And he's waiting. He's waiting for them to make moves, you know, because Jesse's been cooking out of the RV. And, you know, he's got this business going. He's got Skinny Pete and he's got a badger. And they're still, you know, he, he vowed to Walt in the previous episode that despite the fact that he's still freeing from out from under him, he was still going to cook. He was still going to make money. He was going to be a competition for him no matter what. Mm. And so they've, uh, he's got this plan to get the RV up and running, get it all maintained and because and of the money that he just made. So he wants to, like, invest back in the business to get them going. And I believe... Oh, yeah. So Hank was talking to Marie. And in that conversation, Marie reveals to, to Hank that Walt, according to Skylar, was buying weed from Jesse. So Hank is like desperate. He's desperate for any lead. So he calls Walt and asks Walt, did you by any chance in your time buying weed from Jesse see an RV? Yeah. And of course. <laughs> that freaks him the fuck out. <laughs> Hank, I mean, not Hank, Walt shits himself. Yeah. Which I thought was great. And of course, and this is where I say, you know, where was this? Caution? So, you know how I was saying that Hank is a really good investigator? Yeah. He is a really good investigator, but when it comes to his family, it's like he has a blind spot, right? So, yeah. like Marie and her stealing, he doesn't act on it. He doesn't treat her like a criminal. He's very... Mm -hmm forgiving and gives her grace you know and i think that that type of mentality is what keeps him from seeing the forest for the trees because why is it that all of a sudden jesse is running out of his house <laughs> and hank follows him immediately or almost immediately i i would assume not even an hour has passed since he talked to walt about the rv yeah you know what i mean like I think he should have noticed that. Mm. Yeah, that that's so true. It is. It's fascinating to see that, I guess, as well, because you end up thinking about your own life and how, you know, we give people passes sometimes. You know, that we yeah. that we love. Yeah, and um, it's kind of sweet in a way that Hank just can't see Walt as anything other than this like bumbling, you know, science teacher. Uh, but it's, yeah, uh, I think that that's probably what will make it so much better if he does find out because it's like he will realize how bad it was that he didn't see it yeah like Even those two sides it. of him collide you know yeah it's too mind-blowing <laughs> exactly exactly yeah so because of this you know walt's like you got to get rid of this rv because he's got all this i guess uh fingerprints yeah. and there's yeah. tons of evidence in there that would tie Walt to it. So yeah. I thought this was like the best episode. I When I realized what episode it was, I was so excited. Because <laughs> it was so exciting for Walt. And uh, that scene where, okay, so they get their bright idea to take the RV to a landfill to get it, to crush it, to completely destroy the RV, right? And so yeah. they get the RV there. And of course, Jesse is hot on the trail trying to get trying to get to, to Walt because he, he doesn't know what's happening. All he knows is Walt is commandeering the RV, saying he's going to get rid of it. And Jesse thinks it's because he doesn't want Jesse to be in business. But mm. he doesn't understand that it's because Hank is watching his house. 
And yeah, yeah. so when he gets there, Hank shows up. And the scene where Hank is trying to pry open the door and Walt is holding onto that door for dear life is <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I remember... I, I think this episode reminded me of the earlier episodes of season one, especially that first one where we see Walt in the desert with like no uh, trousers. And it's oh, like, yeah. a lot of, you know, intensity and, and quick like speed chase, figuring, figuring things out, not knowing if he's going to be caught in that moment. Yeah, and the desperation in his face. <laughs> yes. And that desperation is is not something that's hit Walt for a while. He's been too comfortable and too like safe and like i'm the man kind of thing i and agree I think, was... I think this was a nice shot of cold water to his yeah. ego yeah yeah and so to get out of the situation walt has to think really fast and he's mm -hmm. like well i guess i gotta do this and he calls hank and or no he get he calls saul saul gets his secretary to call hank to pretend to be a hospital person and to tell Hank that his wife was in an accident and that she's being airlifted to their hospital that he should get there in order to get Hank to leave so that way they can destroy the RV. And unfortunately, Hank looks like he's ready to kill somebody when he finds out that it's, it was a lie, that he is being manipulated. Yeah. And he thinks it's Jesse yeah. that did it, of course, because he doesn't know Walt was in there. He just knows Jesse was in there. Yeah, he heard his voice, so he he definitely thinks it's Jesse's fault. Yeah. But thankfully, the RV did get demolished, and so there are no... There is no trace of Walt uh, and Meth to be put together yeah. at this point. It's... <laughs> it's never a sad moment. Reflecting on it now, I'm like, that was their RV. And I think that's why the arc starts off or the, the episode starts off with, you know, Jesse, when he first bought it from Combo, um, it's it's kind of like the end or the beginning of the end for their relationship. Yeah, it's kind of like a graduation. Like that was that was how they started. That was their little mom and pop type shop, you know? And yeah. kind of an end of an era because they weren't working together anymore. They were refusing to work together anymore. Yeah. And I think, was it then that he finds out? I think. Yeah, because uh, in episode five, Walt reveals to him that he's decided to work with Fring exclusively so he doesn't need Jesse anymore. So yeah, yeah, so at that point, they were like cutting ties. That's why Jesse was trying to get his, his, his own manufacturing on, up off the floor, you know? Yeah, it's like a repetition or like a just a mirror image of what Jesse was trying to do. But with with Walt, it's coming with a lot more animosity and like power. Like this is my thing. Whereas with Jesse, it was like, okay, you are out of the business. I'm just going to continue doing this. Like you can kind of see the difference between them because they're both doing the same thing of like mm -hmm. deciding to do their own thing. But Walt's version of that is so much more selfish and just weird like gosh you're such a fucking power hungry noob yes yeah power hungry that's what it is and like he has this relationship with jesse that is just like he's his punching bag and like whatever yeah. bad thing happens he blames jesse for it immediately never looking at himself or uh, holding himself accountable yeah and walt is you, you see throughout like season one up until now he is 
he loves beating down on people who are so much like weaker than him or younger or like just different to him. He's not going to go to um, his ex, uh, what's it called, like lab company partners and go, I'm so much better than you, blah, 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 and flex on them because he can't. He literally can't flex on a billion dollar company. But what he can do is beat on his ex student, like, like basically bully him or whatever, which is so ridiculously sad. Like when you put it into that context, it's kind of like you're a sad person for doing that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad that he isn't that way with his family. I don't know why he decides that he can be that way towards Jesse. If it's just derision or the lack of respect that he has for Jesse. I don't know, maybe yeah. it's because he sees himself in Jesse. Maybe. You think? I never thought about that. Maybe, you know, maybe part of him. No, I can't see him seeing himself in Jesse. I, I think sometimes we. Because I think, like, I'm getting there in the fact that he's like, you know how he was in the beginning, where he was yeah. like not living up to his expectations, which I think mm -hmm. it's like maybe that's how he relates to him. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, you know, when you like take your weaker parts, project them into a person, and go, you have all these weak parts that I disdain. Mm -hmm. Then you end up hating that person, but really you hate yourself. Yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I think he's mm -hmm. he sees the parts of himself that he doesn't like in Jesse and cascades Jesse for it instead of himself. Yeah. Quite sad for Jesse. <laughs> yeah, and it's quite like it's super unprocessed of Walt. Like for mm -hmm. someone who is so intelligent. How can you not also be reflective? I don't know. It just feels like a juxtaposition a little bit. Like, do, do, do people need to go to therapy to understand themselves, maybe? Maybe it's that. Think, perhaps, perhaps he's never had a mirror held up to him. So. Yeah, and, and I think this is, like, kind of a nice example of the different intelligences, you know, your emotional intelligence right. and your book smart or whatever you know it's like somebody who's really good at science and numbers um maybe has a blind spot when it comes to their emotions because they poured all their knowledge into one bucket you know yeah yeah that makes sense sad yeah. but it's true yeah. <laughs> and that's actually now you mention it i can see people in my in my life like that as well like some people like you can be both you can have all different types of intelligences you just kind of have to work at the different types you right probably you have to put more effort into yeah. doing the stuff that doesn't come easy and i think a lot of people are kind of they think so highly of themselves that they don't think they need to work on that you know they don't they think they're it can be several things where they think that they're just fine and there's nothing wrong or yeah. they can think well I can have let somebody else deal with that. And I, when it comes to that, I'll just not be involved, <laughs> despite <laughs> the fact that that's not possible. <laughs> yeah. Or kind of like you, you're selfish enough that you don't really, mm, like you kind of think, well, people around me will just have to deal with that because that's who I am. Mm, yeah. Oh, I love those. Those are my favorite. 
It's what? just me. It's just how I am. Deal with it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like an identity thing, like the whole identity politics thing. It's like, well, it got to be me. It's like, oh. It's, and they make it their whole personality. <laughs> yeah, to be in a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for the next episode to see what happens now that Hank is understanding how, um, because, you know, how did they get his number? How did they know his wife's name? Like, how did Jesse know all that? You know, he's going to think it's Jesse because Jesse was the only one there and Jesse's the only one with the reason to try to get him away. So how does Jesse know all that? You know, he doesn't know about Walt. So it'll be interesting to see how he, uh, how he decides what to do next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like, it, it's, it's kind of a huge scare factor as well. Like, he's probably thinking, um, True. That, you know, like, how far does this go? And is, you know, me being involved in this blue meth chase thing a bad idea, maybe? Because now it's too personal. I guess if you're a, if you're a police officer or, you know, he's a DEA agent. I'm also surprised that he's not learn to expect stuff like this like wouldn't you have a separate number for your your part your partner maybe or it feels like he just has one phone gomi marie blah 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 like he's always like it's like it doesn't feel safe it feels like there are a few plot holes here but that's true i, don't know. I mean in his in his defense you know he doesn't think the bad guys are gonna have his number so that's why he's just like how did you get my number how did you even know what number to call? Like, how, how did you get this information? Mm. And so he's going to be kind of, it's going to give him the idea that the other person involved is way more connected if there yeah. is another person. Like, mm. or he's going to think that Jesse is more connected than he thought, you know? Yeah. And he'll be like a dog with a bone trying to mm. figure it out. Yeah. Like, I think Walt thinks that he has, obviously, he's sort of pushed Hank aside for now, and they've got, they've managed to destroy the RV, but ultimately is going to make well, uh, Hank a little bit more, <laughs> now he's angry. <laughs> like, I don't think we see Hank angry enough. Like, I, it feels like he's always got this macho side to him, but I don't think he, we really see him angry. Like, right. Yeah, And at this point, he's full of paranoia. You know, he's got all these things happening. He's got his gut telling him this and that, like, you know, to, to follow certain things. But everybody is kind of against him doing that. They want him to do all this other stuff. But this is what he wants to focus on. And he knows that, you know, these are the leads that he needs to follow. And sure enough, you know, he's getting somewhere. But where is he going? I don't think he knows. And he's, he's starting to, like, freak him out, I think. Yeah yeah i'm curious to see where it goes now all right well i guess we'll see you guys on the next episode for uh episode seven eight and nine yeah see you guys bye